just praise God this morning. Man, Ryan, thank you. Praise team, thank you. You know, I am so incredibly grateful for all of the great talent that God has given in our church. And, um, you know, for my wife to be away with the women this weekend and then to have Ryan step up and lead. And, and he did a pretty good job this morning with the team. And, and uh, really appreciate him. And uh, Ryan, thank you so much. And we're praying for our ladies, those that are gone on the women's retreat. And looks like some of the men are still coming in. <laughs> God bless you. You had to get kids ready, didn't you? <laughs> you know, so it happens. But it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing in the lives of these women that are, are gone for the retreat and excited about that. A few weeks ago, we began a series entitled Keep Moving, where we are talking about the life of Joshua. And if you know very much about Joshua from the Bible... He was um, part of the generation that came out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt, and they, um, God brought them to the Red Sea and then uh, under the leadership of Moses. And if you remember, uh, a whole generation was not allowed to go into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. And the, and the reason for that was because of their faith. The long story short, it was their faith. And now Joshua has to lead the new generation into the promised land. It's time for them to take over the promised land. And the Lord had um, given them to them. So they cross over the Jordan River and they kind of revive themselves, recommit themselves to the Lord on the other side of the Jordan River. And then they go and they, they miraculously go to the walls of Jericho and they walk around and the walls fall down. And what we're learning is, is that all of us are in transition. We all have things in our life that are changing and new stuff beginning, a new season uh, is beginning, an old one is ending, and, and transition can be tough. But here's what we know is that God can walk us through transition. Amen, church? God can walk us through each and every stage and phase of life that we find ourselves in. And our memory verse that we have been uh, reading and memorizing and putting to heart is Joshua 1.9. So we're going to do that together, church, all right? We're going to do the, the first verse. We're going to do the, the verse number first and then the verse and back to the address, all right? The first service was really weak. I've just got to tell you, all right? They were weak this morning on their Bible memory verse, all right? But y'all are going to knock it out of the ballpark, right? All right, all right, here we go. You ready? Address, verse, and address again. All right, here we go. Joshua 1. Time out. Good job. All right. Joshua 1, 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua Good job. Father, thank you for the word today. May we remember that you are our strength, you are our courage. And Lord, we pray today that you would lead us and guide us. And Lord, as we find ourselves on the journey of life, I pray today if someone doesn't know Christ, that they would receive Christ. And, but Lord, if there's anything in our journey that we don't need to take with us, Father, today I pray in the name of Jesus that we would repent of that and leave it alone. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people pray together. Amen. Uh, every Sunday, our kids are back there in kids' church, and I'm sure you relate to this. Uh, they bring me something every Sunday. Uh, of course, my little girls, they like do like double time. They do both kids' church. And this morning, uh, Gracie, I think it was Gracie, brought me this. So, Pastor Jason, you'll appreciate this. Uh, 
the angry, confused, amazed, and happy face and look like Jesus explained. They, they always bring me something. We've got like, um, I think a couple weeks ago, it was like a sheep on a stick with cotton balls or something like that. Y'all with me on this, right? And they're always bringing stuff home. This is the good stuff. Like when they bring this stuff, this is the good stuff. When they bring stuff like this home from school, it's the good stuff. Let me tell you the not so good stuff that they bring. It happens about once a year and it's called the stomach bug. That's when they bring that. That's the not good stuff they bring. And unfortunately, that is the gift that just keeps on giving, you know. Uh, you get your uh, you get your kids, and then the other kids get it, and then you get it, and it's just not fun. Uh, you, you ever heard of the name Mary? I think I think you pronounce her last name Malian, Mary Malian, or Malian, maybe perhaps. Um, probably don't recognize that name throughout history, but you might recognize what she was called or known by. Um, she was one of these givers of a gift that kept giving. Her little nickname she had was Typhoid Mary. Have you ever heard that name before, Typhoid Mary? Typhoid Mary lived in the early 1900s in New York City, and she was apparently a pretty good cook. She would be hired by families and things like that, and for some reason, every time she cooked for a family or prepared a meal for a family, um, that family contracted typhoid, and they would some of them would even die. And when they got sick, she would just kind of, you know, so, oh, well, they're sick. I don't want to work with these people anymore. She'd move to another family, and then they'd get sick. Oh, I don't want to work with these sick people. And she would, you know, she wasn't seeing the writing on the wall. Does that make sense? And typhoid Mary um, caused quite the stir. And I don't know if it was a full-blown health department like there is today, but whoever was responsible in the early 1900s for health in New York City began to investigate these outbreaks of typhoid. And it all came back to this cook and Mary Malian. And they found her, and they examined her, and she had no known sites of typhoid within her. But she carried typhoid inside of her. So she never got typhoid. She just gave typhoid. Lucky her, right? You know, she just gave typhoid to everybody. She was just a giver. And they actually isolated typhoid, Mary, like on, a, on, a, on an island that was quarantined for people with typhoid. And... Um, and they, they said, okay, listen, if you promise not to cook anymore, you can get out. She said, no problem, I'll never cook again. Guess what she started doing as soon as she got out? Start cooking again for people, and she kept making people sicker and sicker until the authorities actually had to put her on the island and say, you can't leave. You can't leave. You've, you've got to go. You're making way too many people way too sick. And Typhoid Mary had to go. You know, viruses are weird like that. They can spread, they can hurt. And and in Typhoid Mary's case, here's a lady that she thinks really nothing's wrong, but she's got a sickness to her. And that sickness is so serious, it's hurting everybody around her. It's hurting everybody that she comes in contact with. Today, you we take precautions for viruses and outbreaks and things like that, and we've come so far. But I ask us a question. What kind of precautions are we taking? Maybe not against viruses and sicknesses, but what kind of precautions are we taking against the outbreak of sin? You know, sin is something that I think is 
we always want to say, we want a preacher that preaches on sin until he preaches on sin. And it gets really awkwardly quiet like it did in the first service today. But, you know, you think about it, sin doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you. For example, think about a family that maybe allows adultery into their midst. Think about the devastation that adultery causes on the spouse, on the children, on the in-laws. Think about the destruction that that sin causes on other people. Think about um, drugs. And I could tell you from a pastor's point of view, um, I pray with people often that are struggling with drug addiction and drug abuse, and we, and we, we try to give them hope and let them know that Jesus gives them hope. But I can also tell you that for every one person that I'm praying for, for drugs, I have about a group or a family group that I'm also asking God to help because they come asking God to help them through the addictions that their loved ones have. See, your sin is not private. And I think we have kind of believed that it is, that I can just get away with this and it doesn't really affect anything else. That's just not true. Sin touches everything around us. Take, for example, pornography. An epidemic of pornography sweeping our country is just, it's outrageous. And you may think, well, what's the big deal about pornography? It's private, I'm not hurting anybody, et cetera. Yes, you are. The sin of pornography is so awful. First off, you are encouraging the, the awful trade that is happening. Many times, ladies involved in pornography are, are sex trafficked to begin with. So you're encouraging that. You're encouraging that, that market. In addition to that, you are degrading somebody that's made in the image of God. Second Timothy says we treat our younger women like sisters. I don't see how pornography treats them like a sister. And we see that the, the devastating effects of what it does to, to sexuality and to the feelings of a person. So is, is pornography a harmless sin? Absolutely not. It's evil, it's wicked, it hurts, it destroys. Sin does this. Think about what sin has done to our nation. Think about what sin has done to our community. Think about what sin has done to our families and the danger that that brings. But let us consider today something else. Let us consider something that you may not have even thought about. But what does sin do to your church? When there's sin within the body of Christ, what does that do to the witness and the community of our church, of Life Community Church? Let me just go ahead and tell you something just right out of the gate today before you start throwing rocks at me, all right? Let me just tell you something. I preach this type of message today first because it's in God's word, amen? And as we walk through Joshua, it was funny, Ryan told me after the first service, he said, you know, I was reading ahead and I was wondering if you were gonna touch on this today. And I said, well, now you know, all right? First off, we preach it because it's God's word. Second, I believe with all my heart that God will not bless sin. He will not bless sin. And as a result of that, we must be mindful of what the wages of sin does. And it brings what, church? But the wages of sin is death. We know that. I just want you to think about that today. So here's what happens. Joshua has crossed the Jordan River. And, man, so far this has been an outrageous or an amazingly awesome story. 
because it's like they're not doing what the old generation did. It's like they're, they're carving their own path and everything's going so good. They, they cross the Jordan River. They recommit their lives to God. There's Jericho. Go march on Jericho and watch God pull the walls down and they, they walk around and they toot the horn and the walls fall down and they destroy it. And you're like, man, dude, Israel is on fire from downtown. I mean, it is great. And you think, these dudes aren't going to be anything like the previous generation. And then they are. And then they are. You know why? Because for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all of us are just like Adam who sinned against God there in the Garden of Eden. And we have the sin of Adam in us that transgresses against God and, and disobeys God and brings spiritual death into our life. See, God was punishing the land of Canaan for their wickedness, their idolatry, their child sacrifice, and he was using the children of Israel to come in, and, and he was going to give them their land. So he was kind of duly doing something. He was destroying the land, but he was, he was also giving the land to the Israelites to let them have the promised land. And when Jericho was destroyed, when Jericho fell and they destroyed it, God specifically told the Israelites, none of it's yours. You can't have a bit of it. You can't take the women for yourselves because that's pagan. You can't take the, you can't take the, the, the houses for, everything's got to be destroyed because it's of the pagan way. Only thing that you can save is some gold and silver, but you can't even have that for yourself. That is to go into the treasury of the Lord and it's to be used for the Lord. It's not to be used for your people. And as what we see, they destroy the city and just one person one person decided not to listen to Joshua. And as a result of that, it brought some bad stuff on the house of Israel. Now, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. So get your Bible out, get your sermon app out, look on your notes, look on the screen. Uh, I'm going to kind of be jumping around because it's a long passage today that we're covering. So you just keep the Bible open. Make sure your pastor preaches within context and within the Word of God, okay? You always got to do that when a pastor preaches. Keep your Bible open. Make sure he's preaching the truth to you, all right? But here's the big idea today, all right? Believing that sin will wreck your family, will wreck your children, will wreck your community, will wreck your neighborhood, will wreck your nation, and Believing that sin will wreck your church. Here's, what, here's the big idea. You ready? My sin threatens. That's the right word to use. My sin threatens my community. My sin threatens my community. Now, we're going to be all over chapter 7, so just keep it open, okay? First, I want you to see this, that my sin as it threatens community, as it hurts my community, I want you to see why. My sin brings devastation. My sin brings devastation. Now, look here at verse 1 of chapter 7. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful. Remember the context. They just knocked over Jericho by the grace of God. This should not be a bummer time. This should not be a buzzkill. This should be a good time. And the very next verse is what? The Israelites, plural, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Now look at the very next sentence. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart, what was supposed to be destroyed, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. Question. 
Who does God hold accountable for one man's sin? The who, the entire community. He says that who was unfaithful? The Israel what? Lights, plural. But who messed up? One guy. Oh, that seems very unfair for God to do such a thing. Does it? He's God, right? He's holy. He's just. There's no sin in the Lord. He is pure and holy. All of us have gone astray. Every single one of us has. But yet one man's sin, just one, hurts the entire community. And look at what verse 2 says. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. That's the next little town over. I think... Um, Thank Philpot, thank Sargo, thank Utica, all right? So uh, nothing against our Utikians and Sargoians and Philpotians in here. But thank Jericho, the big city. Thank Ai somewhere else, okay? Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, should be a big deal, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and told them, go up and scout the land. So the, man, so the men went up and scouted Ai, which was common. They did the same thing with Jericho. After returning to Joshua, they reported to him, don't send all the people, but just send about 2,000 or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since the people of Ai are so few, we don't want to wear our people out. Right out of the gate, you see something wrong here. In the past, with Jericho and going in, they always trusted in God, and they always prayed to the Lord. This time they go in, they say, ah, oh, we, we got what? We, we got this. We're good. This is Podunk, man. We got this. It's okay. We, could it be that Achan's sin already is affecting the entire emotions and feelings of the entire congregation? Could it be that one man's sin is affecting how everybody is even acting? I think so. And look what happens. Verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there Went down to Sargo, went over to Utica, went down to Philpot, where the big Oldsburians, we got this. We got guns, you know. And what happened? But they, the Israelites, fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the city gate to the quarry, striking, down, striking them down on descent. As a result, the people lost heart. Whoa, time out. What? Isn't this the people that like marched around Jericho, tooted their horn, walls fell, they came in, kicked some rear end and took names? And they go down to the podunk and the podunk hillbillies chase them out of town and kill 36 of them? Uh, yeah. Why? Because God took his hand off of Israel. God took the blessing. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. And did you notice that last, that last phrase, they lost heart, the Israelites lost heart? That's very important. You may not think it's important, but it's really important. Because when they crossed over, and, they, and, they, and the Bible tells us, I think it's chapter 5, it says that the other nations heard about what God was doing, and the nation's hearts, the Canaanites, melted. Their hearts melted. So you know what the author of Joshua is telling us? The people, when they were walking with God, the people were scared to death of them. But when they stopped walking with God, Israel was scared of them. You see that? 
be strong and courageous because I'm with you. Whoa, it's almost like courage comes from God. And when we're not walking with the Lord, guess what happens? We get scared and nervous. One sin is affecting the entire community. I want you to see this. Later on, when Achan gives more detail, here's what, here's what happens. He basically says, if you look at what it would be, it, it was about five pounds of silver and one pound of gold that he took. That was it. So for six pounds of precious metal, which still would have been a nice little chunk of change back then, but six pounds, six pounds, 36 people died, and an entire community lost courage. Over six pounds of precious metal because they sinned against God. And as a result of disobeying what God had clearly told them not to do, they had disaster. Today, there are believers in Jesus Christ that are saved by the grace of God. And, and by the way, before we go any further, aren't you glad that we are saved by grace and grace alone today? Never lose that perspective in what I'm preaching today. It is by grace and Christ alone. But understand that there are believers, Christians, that are bringing stuff within the, into the Christian community that just simply does not belong. And as a result of that, we are hurting the power of God within our church. I mentioned pornography. I mentioned lust. How often do we think about how those sins alone could quench the Spirit of God in our church? How, how often do we think about even some, the little stuff, the six pounds of little stuff? The six pounds of little, this ain't hurting nobody. This ain't hurting nobody. It's just six pounds of little stuff. That's it. Six pounds of little stuff. What's it hurting? But yet when we take six pounds of pride or six pounds of unforgiveness or six pounds of jealousy or six pounds of quarreling or six pounds of whatever, fill in the blank. It's enough to hurt what God is doing. Think about the reputation of the church because ultimately, who are we representing? Jesus Christ. What's our witness looking like to the community? Think about, for example, how we often pray, God bless our relationships or God do this, but yet we would live with somebody that's not our spouse. We'd sleep with that person that's not our spouse. And then we come to the preacher and we say, God, or we say, Pastor, would you pray that God would bless our relationship? To which I look at them and say, I love you, but I'm not praying for you. Why, Kenny? Because it's not going to do any good. You're asking me to bless a relationship that is in sin, living together, sleeping together. You're asking me to, to ask God to bless that? That's not God's will for your life. I can't pray that for you because God ain't going to hear you. He ain't going to hear me when I pray that. Here's what I can pray. I pray that you allow the Spirit of God to minister to you and you repent of your sin. Listen, church, we've gotten way too calm and laxed on sexual immorality within our church. Way too calm on it. Sleeping together before marriage is sinful. So what? So if you're a born-again Christian, stop it and repent. 
Repent. Repent of it. What about these, these inside things that we let fester? Don't you understand? It's killing. It's destroying. It's, it's hurting. Oh, Kenny, I don't believe you that that stuff can affect the community. That's Old Testament that you're quoting. That's Old Testament is what you're talking about. This is for the nation of Israel. This, is, this has nothing to do with the church age. Really? Well, why don't we go to the New Testament? Amen? For example, Ananias and Sapphira worked out real good for them, didn't it, church? Remember that story? All they did was lie. They tried to promote themselves within the church. And they, they said they, they sold some property and that they gave all the money. And they didn't have to do any of it, but they were trying to make themselves something. And Ananias comes in and he says, yeah, I got this. We donate big time, man. You know, they, they want their name like up on a plaque. You know, this pew donated by Ananias. You know, that's what, that's what they wanted. Don't you like that? You know, so that's what they wanted. And then what happens? He drops dead. And his wife comes in. And Peter's like, dude, did y'all do this for real? She's, oh, yeah, we did that. We, we gave all the money to the church. And Peter says what? Woman, the men that carried your wife out or carried your husband out are going to carry you out. And ball's over. What about 1 Corinthians 5? The immoral brother that's a Christian but is refusing to repent of sin in the church. He's been warned, he's been conditioned, but he won't repent. What does Paul say to do to him? He gets tossed out. He gets kicked out of the church. Ooh, Kenny, I just don't know if I like this church discipline stuff. I don't know if I like... Man, I thought the New Testament was all like, you know... Happy rain, you know, happy rainbows and like, you know, hey, even the rainbow was about the judgment of God, you know what I mean? So I just want happy-go-lucky stuff. I don't know about all this, this kind of stuff. What about 3 John with Diotrephes? The heretic who the apostle John has to say, I'm coming to take care of him myself. So let me ask you a question. The Old Testament is not for sin in the community, and I'm pretty sure the New Testament is not for sin in the community. So question, should there be sin in our community? It brings devastation. And I warn you, because when we let sin into our body, now understand something. I just feel just impressed right now to tell you this. Um, this does not mean what I'm preaching today is that everybody has it together or that we are sinless. That's not what I'm talking about. All of us need the grace of God. Every single one of us are sinners that need Jesus. But when Christ comes into our life and the Spirit enters into our life, every day we are to look a little bit more like Jesus. So what happens with sin, we hurt the presence of God in our community. It brings devastation. Churches will lose the power of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God. Number two, understand this that my sin must be exposed. It's got to be exposed. It's got to be brought to light. Have you ever been in a kitchen before, like late at night, you walk in, it's dark, you hit the lights, and then there's a little friends. You know, you might think it's just easier to pretend the little friends aren't there. 
might just be easier to pretend that they're not there. But newsflash, they're there whether the lights are on or not. So the problem is not flipping the light switch on. The problem is what? Calling Wes McCoy, getting the bugs killed. Amen, Wes? He throws his hand up, all right? That's the answer. That's the answer. So look what happens. Go to verse 17. Uh, Joshua falls on his knees. He rips his clothes. He's before God. He's asking God what the problem is. And he even starts sounding like the old generation. He says, God, why did you bring us across the Jordan River for us to die in the promised land? I mean, just, just, like, the, just like the old bunch. And God basically tells Joshua, he says, you got to get them out. The guy that's here, we got to get them out. And look what happens. Joshua had the clans of Judah, verse 17, uh, come forward. And look at this. It was the Zerahite clan was selected. And then from the Zerahite clan came the heads of each of the families. And the, Zab- the Zabdi family was selected. He then had Zabdi's family come forward man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was selected. So Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you to tell me what you've done. Don't you hide anything from me. Now, what would have happened, the priest and Joshua would have been involved in this process. And the priest had, boy, this is a deeper, this is deeper than part you want to go this morning. But they had this thing called the umum and the thumb, or the, or the, the urum and the thumb, all right? Kind of like dice in a jar, kind of see me after the service, okay? But what they did, it was a way that they trusted in God, and they would shake it up, and they would, it would reveal to them. It wasn't like a Ouija board. It wasn't, it wasn't like a crystal ball or anything like that. This was the Lord's way of selecting people, all right? It's, it was the process of casting lots, all right? It's the process of casting lots. And what happens is the families are selected, and this family comes, and then a little bit more from that family, and a little bit more until Achan is singled out. So question, was God involved in this? God was drawing Achan out from the mist. So it's not just like, uh, who wants to volunteer for, you know, uh, confession of sin that hurt everybody? You know, God is bringing them forward. Today, we don't need the Urim and the Thummim. We don't need that. New Testament Christians don't do that. The last time casting lots was mentioned was right before Pentecost. It's over. We have what now? The Holy Spirit. And now when we believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. And guess what? He does the house cleaning. Right, church? And the Spirit begins to speak to us and minister to us and change us. Now, there's a word that I think has sadly been forgotten in our modern-day church language, but it's a good word, and it's called conviction. You ever heard that word before? Conviction. The believer should not be a stranger to conviction. They should not. When we accept Jesus, why? It's because of conviction. The Bible teaches us of the Holy Spirit that he convicts us of sin and righteousness. So before we ever accept Jesus, the Spirit is working on us. He's drawing on us. He's convicting us of sin. Amen? And then what? We accept Jesus. Well, guess what? When you accept Christ in your life, that conviction doesn't stop. He continues throughout your entire life of weeding some stuff out, getting rid of things that don't look like Jesus in your life. So what's your responsibility? Every day that you're a believer in Jesus, as a follower of Christ, you must listen to the draw of the Holy Spirit. 
And if the Spirit starts to speak to you about a sin or an issue or something that's dark inside of you, can I give you some advice? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Why? Because He is for you, not against you. He is trying to make you into the image of God. He is, he is shaping you and molding you. He is helping you look like Jesus. Listen to his draw and his pull in your life. If he's telling you to repent of a sin, to get out of an unhealthy relationship, to move out of that house until you can get married, if he's telling you just to throw away your phone because it's too much of a temptation, just bust the thing up and go get a jitterbug. Amen? You know? If he's telling you to do that, do it. Right, church? Right? Don't let the sin hurt your marriage, hurt your children, hurt your church. Listen to the Spirit of God. Leave behind the things that hurt you. Leave behind the things that hurt your community, that hurt your children, that hurt your wife, that hurt your husband. Leave them behind. Listen to the Spirit's draw. In your life. What's he saying to you? What's he telling you to repent of right now? And finally, I want you to see this. My sin had to be paid for. My sin has a price. My sin has a price. It has a price. It must be paid for. Understand, this is a tough passage. When preaching and exegeting, it is a tough passage. Achan comes forward, and Achan gives his confession. Yes, it's underneath going to my tent. You can dig it up. There's the six pounds of sin right there, you know. Go get it. He confesses, and you might think, well, they're just going to have a good old-fashioned revival service. He's going to cry on the altar. He's going to walk away a restored brother. Hallelujah. Not so much. Look what happens. Joshua said, verse 25, Joshua said, why have you brought us what? Trouble. Today the Lord will bring you. Isn't that interesting? You brought us trouble, and now what? The Lord will bring. That verse alone should tell you that God will not bless sin. Amen? That verse alone should tell you God will not bless your sin. He will not do it. He's a holy and righteous God. He won't do it. So all of Israel did what? To Achan. And by the way, this is tough. Boy, this is hard. This includes all of his family as well. They stoned them to death. And if that wasn't enough, they burned their bodies. And if that wasn't enough, they threw a bunch of rocks on top of them. Raise them over a large pile of rocks that remain there to the day of the authors of Joshua. Meaning that not only are you going to die a horrible death and then your body's burned and then rocks are going to be on top of you. We're going to leave that there for everybody to walk through for generation after generation and say, look what Achan did. Ouch. And look what happens. And the Lord turned from his burning anger. The sin was paid for. God his anger was over. Kenny, I didn't think God got angry. Think again. Think again. He 
turned from his anger. And today, to this day, it says that the place was, that place was called the Valley of Acor, which means trouble. How many churches today are living in the Valley of Trouble? How many families are living in the Valley of Trouble? How many children are living in the Valley of Trouble because mom or dad moved them into it? How many nations are living in the valley of trouble. Oh, Achan had to pay, didn't he? And Kenny, what about me? I mean, like, are we going to have, like, a good old-fashioned, like, lynching after services? You know, like, we're going to burn everybody? Not so much, because that's illegal, all right? And it's not the New Testament either. It's not the New Testament but you do need to see something. Just, just listen. If you want to write down the verse reference, and do it, but just listen. Just listen to what God thinks about sin. And think about the price of sin from these verses I'm about to read to you. David wrote in Psalms 51, verse 3 and 4, he says, For I'm conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me against you. You alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. When we sin, we sin against God, a holy God that is righteous and just. You smack him in the face with your sin. Ezekiel 18.4, the person who sins is the one who will die. God promised it from the very beginning, didn't he, with Adam and Eve? You eat from this, you'll die. That promise is still true. You eat of sin, you die. 2 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? They don't get in. They don't get in. Romans 6, 23, the first part, for the wages of sin is death. Revelation 21.8. But the cowards, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. Kenny, is hell real? You better believe it. And for those that die within their sins, they are separated from God for all of eternity, living in their sins, in hell, forever, in torment. And by the way, Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned. Guess what, church? That's what we deserve. We deserve separation and isolation from God. Listen, to be very frank with you, we deserve a good old-fashioned stoning and our bodies burned because we have sinned against God. Okay, this just doesn't seem like a very fun message. I came to get uplifted, not depressed today. Yeah, sin is, is, is weighty. Amen, church? It's, there's a weight to preaching like this. 
You don't get a lot of amens. Didn't the first service either, all right? What I can tell you is that God will not bless sin. And the entire community cannot move forward in transition until the sin is dealt with. The family can't move forward until the sin is dealt with. The marriage can't move forward until the sin is dealt with. They dealt with Achan. Dealt with Achan. Fried them like some bacon, you know? And uh, Greg was the only one that laughed at that. I was waiting all night to do all night. Never mind. I love you too. Thank you, Greg. You know, thank you. Yeah. So, but what happens? He is dealt with. And we're not going to go into this, but you can read the next chapter. Everything changes. God says, go get AI now. Go get them. And they go, and they destroy AI. They get rid of it. And by the way, when Achan sinned, he was acting like the Canaanites, wanted what the Canaanites wanted, and therefore he was treated like a Canaanite. They go in after Achan is dealt with, and it's totally different. And you know what's crazy? God lets them in AI plunder the land, meaning that they were able to take the livestock and the food and the gold. They got it in the next stop. It was dealt with. Victory came after the sin was dealt with. I want you to understand something. God has so much for our church. God has so much for your family. God has so much for your children. The Lord has so much for you, but you cannot let sin be in the camp. Young people, if you're sleeping with each other before you're married or you're living with each other, don't go into marriage like that. Husband, if you're flirting around with somebody at work, don't do that. Don't do that. If you're cheating on paperwork or or cutting around the edges at your business, don't do that. It's going to be bad for you. God won't bless that. Be honest. Be truthful. Repent of your sin. And when God does that, when you do that, there is victory. Do you want to know why? There's victory when that happens. There is power when that happens. Why is AI now defeated? You ready? Because it's been paid for. Every one of us in this story is aching. Every one of us is aching. But the Bible teaches us also in the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, say it church, will not perish but have everlasting life. We often quote John 3, 16, but we don't hardly ever quote John 3, 17, which is almost just as powerful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. You ready? We stand condemned before a holy God. The anger of God is upon us for our sins. But let me tell you some good news. We set through some bad news all service. Can we set through some good news, church? Let me tell you some good news. We deserve to be bur- to burn in hell. But the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, took hell on him when he died on the cross. We deserve to have rocks thrown on us and to be buried under the weight of rocks. 
But our Lord Jesus went to a tomb where a big old rock was put on top of it. We deserve to stay in our sin and to waller in our sin and to lay there and to die in our misery with a big old rock piled up on top of us for everybody to see how much of a colossal failure we are. We deserve that. But praise the Lord, on the third day, the rock of Jesus was rolled away. Jesus kept our sin in the grave. He walked out victorious. And as a result of him being victorious, our sin has been dealt with. The wrath of God went on Jesus instead of us. The sin was left in the grave. We stand with Christ. And now we take Ai in the name of Jesus today. Because we stand saved, forgiven, with sin paid for. The wrath of God poured, that we deserve, poured on to Jesus for us. Friend, if you are living in your sin today, do not do this anymore. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. He wants to save you. He wants to to make you new and give you a hope. Christian, why are you going back? Why are you going back to the things God saved you from? Why are you doing that? Jesus shed his blood so you don't have to live like that anymore. Why are you doing it? Oh, Jesus, come, touch us, fill us, help us walk in the newness of life. In the newness of life. Our Jesus has so much for us. Don't kill your family. Don't kill your church. Don't do it. Don't kill your family. Live for Jesus. Live for Christ. got this Baptist shouting this morning. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. If one of y'all's children was walking out in traffic, I'd do everything I can to stop that kid from getting hit by a car. How much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about hell? I tell you because I love you, man. Because I love you. I want to be worth a lick if I didn't preach sin. Father, thank you for Jesus. Our hearts are heavy today. God, you have victories for our family. You have victories, Jesus, for our children, for our church. Oh, but Lord, we must repent. God, I thank you that there is no sin too great for you to forgive. That if we are in Christ, we are new creations. If we are in Christ, there is no condemnation, Lord. There is no judgment because it's all been paid for. Father, I pray today that the Christian would walk close to Christ. That there would not be sin in the camp. But that you, Lord, would keep us moving. So, Father, bring us to our knees. Lord, if there's somebody today that doesn't know Christ, I pray, Lord, they'll be saved. You did all that for us, God, when you didn't have to. The great love of God. We deserved it, Lord, but you didn't give it to us. 
because Jesus died for us. So we thank you. Move in spirit and truth. In your name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's just come and pray today. Seek the Lord. I would love to pray with you. Pastor Jason Mark would love to pray with you. Charlie, you just respond. If God's telling you to be saved, you come today as we sing.